Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Derek Duchesne. He is president at Exactus. We're going to learn a little bit more about what they're doing in the cannabis CBD space. We're going to talk to Derek about uh, kind of the general CBD market, how things have shifted over the last year or so, where things are going, where some of the opportunities are. Derek's looking at really kind of strategically how CBD is going to play out, where the opportunities are in terms of developing new products, and really where cannabis slash hemp can go, not only beyond the, you know, as a, as a consumable product, but really as an industrial product and where some of the future of that potentially, well, where the history of what was and then where some of the future of it can go, because there's some really great opportunities there. Excited to have this conversation. I think that, you know, there's lots of opportunities in the cannabis space. And I think the more people can really think broadly around how this market can develop and play out, the better it will be and the more kind of value it will create for the overall kind of industry and society. Great opportunities there. With that, Derek, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Bruce, for having 
having me. Very happy to be here. Big fan of you and, and your podcast and, and mm. excited to share you know our story and my journey. Yeah. Well, it's a pleasure having you here. So let's talk about the story to begin with. I always love to hear how people got involved in cannabis. What was the background? What was motivating it? And then we can kind of talk about your experience in the cannabis space. Absolutely. I got into the industry. I mean, I discovered CBD, I think, kind of early on as opposed to the, the general public. I discovered it in around 2016. And prior to this, I was in the film entertainment industry, everything from you know, acting, producing, film finance, etc. for about 10 years. And then the majority of my life, last you know, 15, 16 or so years, my mother's been very sick with ovarian cancer, fibromyalgia, thank you, severe fibromyalgia, MS, you know, you, you name it. And then, you know, that led me to you know, lots and lots of different doctors and specialists and oncologists, et cetera. And I wasn't up until, you know, 2016. I tried treating, you know, some of her pain and getting her off of some terrible painkillers that she was on yeah. with THC edibles. And she had, you know, very kind of allergic reactions to it. So that didn't, you know, that didn't work out too well. Um, so she was you know, pretty turned off to that. Also, you know, the older generation is a bit, I mean, there's a stigma that comes with, you know, cannabis as as a treatment. And that's unfortunate because, you know, I think up until the internet, it was people, we would go into our doctor's offices and the doctors would tell us, hey, this is what you're prescribed to. This is what's good for you. And this is what you need to take. And people didn't really question that. Now the access to information is out there. And I think that the curtain's been lifted on how the pharmaceutical industry works and the healthcare industry works here in the United States. And you know, CBD was something that tremendously helped. This is all not FDA approved mm -hmm. or FDA, yeah. you know, cleared, but it's something, yeah. you know, I had a very personal experience with my mother and it had helped her, you know, get off of some of her medications and had helped her, you know, significantly improve her quality, quality of life. Yeah. And, you know, seeing that firsthand, my first question was how come in these 15 years of doctor's appointments, cannabinoids was never a part of the conversation or part of the subject. And something that, you know, really helped her was taking that, there's, you know, all different delivery methods, but suppositories had really helped her because, you know, can bypass, you know, kind of bypass yeah. the liver, get, you know, a lot of medicine into the bloodstream. And it was something that, you know, took a lot, a lot of, uh, time to push her into trying something like that. But, you know, I'm not sure how or what, you know, directly it was affecting, but we knew that it was helping significantly changed, you know, her quality of life. And, you know, from then I kind of made it my mission to, to bring this to market and started a company called Healing Ventures, which initially was going to be a marketing and product development company for, you know, the larger, uh, you know, I was, I was targeting different CPG companies and, and cosmetics, you know, pharmaceutical companies and all kinds of different companies to incorporate cannabinoids into their products and how, you know, we could help them bring those products to market. Then it was, you know, too early in the space and nobody really wanted to talk to us except for cannabis companies, marijuana companies that understood the benefits of CBD as well as wanting to expand their customer base outside of, you know, just the states that they're operating in. So the first couple of brands, you know, that we launched did, you know, very, very successful. And back then you, you could come to the market with a tincture or, you know, a soft gel. And because nobody was doing it, you know, it was pretty easy to expand. And it's yeah. very yeah. interesting how the industry, I mean, how rapidly it's evolved. I never saw it growing and blowing up this fast and being this yeah. widely accepted. So it's, it's really phenomenal 
But then it was, you know, there, there was so many more restrictions on how you could, you know, advertise to consumers, couldn't use any sort of social media or Google or anything like that. So it's an industry that really blew up off of word of mouth. And, you know, so it's been really phenomenal seeing all the different things and, you know, the studies that, that people are taking it for and the results. Then, you know, GW Pharma came out with Epidiolex, you know, for epilepsy. And we're just starting, you know, just to see the tip of the iceberg for pharmaceuticals that are coming out. But now it's, you know, everything is kind of you know, incorporating CBD products. And if you have a, yeah. a CPG company and you're not having you know, this conversation at the board level, I think you're just being reckless. At the yeah. time, you know, as we we're expanding, the supply chain became a severe issue, you know, which is not typically the problem. You know, yeah. usually it's, it's the marketing. So we'd have to pull back on marketing because we couldn't get a consistent quality supply. And then, you know, it was only pilot programs in Kentucky and Colorado. So it's very limited, you know, hemp grown in the United States. The testing was, you know, way off back then. And when, when was this? Just give us a date. This was, so can... say, 2016, 2017. Yeah, okay. And so there's very little hemp grown in the United States, even fewer processors that were credible and doing it correctly. So we started offering supply chain services to our customers, which led us to, you know, working with the company in Kentucky and almost like clockwork, you know, for about a year and a half, uh, every three months, you know, there was either a QA issue, a, <laughs> a whole country ran out of hemp. There was you know, yeah. machines break, electrical issues, you know, and it's in having to switch, you know, manufacturers every couple of months. So that became a Jeez. really severe challenge and, and traveling around and vetting companies and, and people that were, you know, actually able to produce what they said that they were consistently. And, you know, the industry, as with any emerging industry, is attracting a lot of, you know, not the right players. So it's yeah. dealing with a lot of, you know, interesting people back then. And now uh, that led me, you know, throughout the years of working with different processors, which led me then to a company called EcoX, which is a equipment manufacturing, custom equipment manufacturing for the cannabis industry. And they were processing raw materials. So we you know, very quickly became their largest customer. And then about a year later, I was consulting with them and they, they made me a partnership offer and then rebranded the company to Ecogen, which is now Ecogen Labs. And yeah, that led me to Eco. We did 35 million this, I want to say 2018 and about you know, 90 mil, 80, 90 million, uh, 2019 and just, you know, tremendous growth. And, and we, you know, started, we launched a Genetics division, which did very successful because you know, that's a whole different market that I wasn't yeah. too familiar with at the time. But having quality, consistent genetics is, you know, without that, there's there's no industry. So, you know, that did very well. We launched a white label division and kept growing the company. Now I have joined Exactus in the beginning of this year, which was prior to this, was a medical devices company that was distressed. Um, they made the investments in hemp farming in mm -hmm. 2019, beginning of 2019, and a couple of different parts of the supply chain. You know, I came on to you know, with the goal of, of turning the business around and then you know, the end game is to consolidate the industry. And as we're seeing, you know, with a multitude of factors, you know, coronavirus, et cetera, you know, a lot of companies becoming very distressed. So I think having a publicly traded vehicle and access to capital markets gives us you know, tremendous leverage in order to, and, and also the insights, you know, that we have by building these brands throughout the years and handling their marketing and their supply chain. You know, we know who the good, the good people are out there and who we want to yeah. work with. So, you know, I think it's a very interesting time in the space and yeah, that's, that's where we're at. Yeah. Well, and give us a sense. I'm kind of curious, given the position you've had and the kind of the insights and the view of the industry. I mean, 2019, from my point of view, was characterized by a, a significant 
availability of grown hemp and and kind of you know maybe a bit of, bit of a flooded market you know kind of call it drama on the uh, supply side <laughs> you know getting you know finish 2019 you know ending 2019 and then we hit this pandemic in 2020 give us a sense of really kind of how 2019 was finishing up and then as we got into 2020 how has the covid pandemic situation kind of impacted hemp both on the kind of consumer demand side but also on the kind of the supply side the processing side i mean we give us some kind of broad strokes on how this has played out for you. Absolutely. Well, you know, let's start with coronavirus. So, you know, this has it's been incredibly unfortunate in how it's affected families, businesses, yeah. you know, countries as a whole as a, as a global pandemic. And, you know, there's so many things that have come out of this a negative light. But what can we do about it? What are we doing about it? And what are the positives? And the positives that I see is that I think that a lot of people, you know, including myself, we're kind of running on autopilot and consuming ourselves with our day-to-day and building our businesses and our companies. And it's allowed, you know, now it's, you know, with quarantine, it's allowed us to all kind of take a step back and I think be more conscious of the things that matter most to us. And, you know, it's not our businesses, it's our health, it's our, our relationships, our families. And so I think, you know, the positive that's come out of this is that it's really put things into perspective for people and made us more thoughtful how we're spending our time and our energy. And with cannabinoids, you know, I think that on the CPG side and on the brand side, you know, the demand for cannabis, you know, the, the, the marijuana industry as a whole is, has obviously benefited from this. Yeah. The hemp industry and the CBD side of things, I believe, you know, has as well, just because consumers are looking for more natural ways and more ways that they can be more health conscious and, and more yeah. ways, you know, that they can take care of themselves. And, you know, so I think that there has been you know, a significant amount of value to that. But as far as, you know, supply chain goes and, and keeping businesses open, you know, payment terms with customers for, you know, customers that have been hit very hard that, you know, are in retail stores primarily. And those retail stores are now, you know, have been closed or slowly reopening. So, you know, it, it's affected a lot of a lot of brands, a lot of parts of the supply chain. Fortunately, the, the United States hemp industry is pretty, pretty reliant on domestic you know, on local product. And you know, last year we were seeing at the end of the year, um, I mean, even for the last couple of years, but you're seeing a lot of products coming in from overseas, which, you know, would be fine if, you know, the industry had more regulations on, on QA and QC. And, you know, hemp is an incredible, incredible plant that, you know, it's, it's like a sponge. So if, wherever it's planted, it's going to soak up and, and, you know, remediate the soil and the air, but it's, you know, it's going to soak up all of the good and all the bad in the soil. So if it's yeah. planted in heavily polluted you know, parts of the world and in certain parts of China, where is a big, big hemp operations, you know, you're seeing the biomass, for example, may not test, you know, for lead or mercury or, you know, heavy metals. And then when you're processing it, you know, all of those things spike. And then you'll see, you know, by the time you're getting your, your material or people that were looking to cut corners and import it, we're, you know, spending tremendous amounts of money importing, you know, this product for a lower price than what it was here to produce. But then they're testing it and the amount of pesticides or heavy metals that are in it are, you know, toxic or, you know, should not be, should yeah. not be on the shelf. So you're seeing, you know, a lot of, you know, since there's a lack, you know, there's obviously regulations out there for, you know, what can be allowed in, into dietary supplements, et cetera. 
but without specific regulations for for the hemp industry and for you know what can be in these products it's it's really hindered the overall growth and also you know you're seeing brands that get tested you know usually you'll see a news reporter once you know once a week that comes out and says we bought 10 products that you know five of these didn't have the right amount of CBD in it. The other five had pesticides or heavy metals in it. So being more you know, thoughtful and transparent, I think, is, is a very important part of the supply chain yeah. and something that you know, hasn't really been, you know, the conversations just haven't, haven't been there. And you know, people are just learning, still learning about you know, what cannabinoids are and what CBD is. So you know, having the consumer demand transparency in the supply chain is, is kind, of, kind of the next step to it. Yeah. But, but I think that you know, if, if you look at the industry, say 2018, you know, in, in the farming world was you know, phenomenal. The, the margins were, were incredible. Uh, And on the, the raw materials, you know, it went from CBD isolate, you know, a few years ago was $20,000 a kilogram. Now it's $600 $600 a kilo. Last fall or I mean, last summer, you know, before the harvest, people were paying you know, $3.50 to $5 per percentage point of CBD biomass to process. So that's, you know, $40, $50 a pound and, you know, a 10% material. And now it's at 20 cents per percentage point. So you're seeing, you know, dramatic price compression throughout all parts of the supply chain. And it hasn't really reflected on, on the brand side yet. You know, brands are still holding, you know, their prices and their values high, which I think is... So who's making the money? Yeah, so, <laughs> There's a lot of money being made somewhere yeah, in there. Yeah. So, so the brands are, are making the money, the, the efficient, and it comes in waves. You know, some, some years that it's been the farmers, you know, I think the bottleneck has been and will probably continue to be the processing because, you know, there is millions and millions of pounds grown that, you know, wasn't processed. And even now that's sitting there from last year's harvest because farmers didn't have a processing partner lined up. And, yeah. and a lot of them made the investment in, you know, the genetics and farming of it because of the promise that it held, but not understanding, you know, making the investment in the drying or the storage of it, which is you know, two thirds of the battle. And, mm-hmm. you know, in turn, a lot of crop or they're, they're drying it, you know, incorrectly and 15 yeah. percent material is being nuked down to 5 percent material. So now you've got an oversupply of kind of not the, the greatest quality product that's sitting out there. And a lot of farmers were greatly affected by it because oh yeah because they were expecting you know this the just on the cannabinoid and terpene markets to you know continue the rapid growth that it has and then the FDA came out I say last November and said this is not a grass a generally recognized a safe product you know that hindered and, and made all the the larger CPG companies you know the brands that we grew up with yeah, um, kind of pull back on it yeah. and so then you've got you know, even though the industry is still rapidly growing, the expectations were that the FDA was going to provide guidelines and and allow this into you know into the food system, and and that's you know, obviously an incredibly large marketplace. So I think right now it's a very interesting time. There's a lot of opportunities out there for distressed, you know, incredible brands and companies, parts of the supply chain, farmers, processors that are distressed, that are looking looking for help. So I think it's, you know, a very incredible time for you know the right people to put their heads together and consolidate the industry. And we all knew that this day would come. We just didn't think that it would happen this fast. And the coronavirus, yeah. in addition to the oversupply, I think greatly, you know, 
greatly accelerated the you know that timing. Yeah, no, it's fascinating because I, I yes, there were forces at play. But, you know, the moment coronavirus hit and not only, you know, directly to, you know, impacting operations, but, you know, the capital markets, you know, access to money to be able to fund these operations. You know, if you were if you were relying upon a capital raise or external funding to kind of fuel your growth and you got, you know, upside down in your balance sheet, you're you're in pain the last couple of months because it's just, uh, you know, there's not money. There's not money. There's money there, but it's not available like it was. Absolutely, uh, in, in 2019, and, and a lot of the companies, you know, their, their capex are, is so aggressive, and you know, yeah. and rightfully so up until up until very recently. So they were relying 100. percent You know, it's hard to, to grow a company without you know without really? capital and to keep expanding. And even brands that are in 20,000 storefronts are hurting severely right now because you know obviously retail has dropped off significantly. And a lot of these companies are on, you know, as this moves more towards a standardized industry, it used to be, you know, you would pay up front, you know, for your material and or for your products. And, you know, you would wait for the production queue like any other industry for, you know, a few weeks to, you know, for the products to be finished. And now it's, you know, every retailer, every brand, everybody wants, you know, everybody wants terms. Everybody wants yeah. 30, 60, 90 day terms. And when you have retailers that are unable to be open or unable to sell at the volumes that they were, that's affecting affecting you know, a, a lot of people. But we are incredibly fortunate to be in an industry that's not absolutely devastated by coronavirus and, yeah. you know, and that we are providing you know, benefits, whether it's on, on the mental or physical health side. So I think that, you know, we are very fortunate. Yes, it's affected us. Uh, for example, we had, you know, the beginning of the year, a significant amount of product, you know, over, you know, six figures amount of product sitting in, sitting in customs and, yeah. and in the UK because people just, you know, weren't coming to work because, you know, yeah. coronavirus. Yeah, exactly. They're shut at home. So, you know, there's been a couple of uh, you know, scares or hiccups along the lines, but you know, I think that we're we're very fortunate to be in this space and to be doing you know what we do. And Los Angeles, you know, my a lot of my close friends, you know, have whether it's you know a restaurant or yeah. a bar or a yoga studio or you know a retail shop. You know, a lot of these people have just you know years and years of their lives to finally make the company profitable. And the second it's up yeah. and profitable, they, they're getting crushed. So. Yeah. You know, we can't look too much as as to how how badly it's affected us, and I think that you know we're all able to still power forward. And and it, yes, it's yes, it's been a negative, but like I said, I think it's allowed people to to be more thoughtful and and spend more time with you know with their families and focusing on the things that matter most outside yeah. of work. Yeah. Where do you think the strategy is? I mean, as you look at the market and kind of see where you're positioned and where you see the kind of the asset opportunity, you know, where there are things available, how are you kind of sorting through, figuring out what you're interested in, where you should really be doing deals, where do you want to stay away from? I'm just kind of curious because it could get frothy, right? You, know, you could get really like, oh my gosh, there's so many things, but then you, you have to say strategic, right? You, you want to really make some good bets. You want to really double down on the things you believe in, you know, kind of figure out where the future is going to lie. How have you kind of sorted through this and, and developed some guiding principles to kind of make some decisions at this point? Bruce, you are absolutely correct <laughs> on the frothy kind of aspect. Uh, there's There's so many shiny things out there, right? There's so many opportunities, especially in in this growing explosive industry that you have to really be able to narrow your focus down to a couple of things.
things and see what what makes the most sense. And it's tricky, but the number one thing that I look at is is the team behind the company. So you know, if they've got you know great product, obviously that's a plus. I think CPG is going to continue. You know, the brands will continue to hold value. And you know, everybody keeps saying that you know, we're going to be the Coca-Cola of CBD. <laughs> you know, I've heard that a million times. It's like, no, I think Coca-Cola is probably going to be the Coca-Cola. Of yeah, CBD. I was just going to say. <laughs> and you know, and a lot of these massive companies have been looking at it for a long time. And, yeah. And I was the person, you know, banging on these doors, and they're telling me to get lost. You know, the, the product development and supply, you know, people years ago, and then now like they all want to work with us. So it's you know, seeing incredible how quickly that's shifted. But I think you know, the long-term opportunities is going to be the brands on the farming side it's you know we're seeing crazy price compression on the and who knows when they start importing you know columbia there's tremendous opportunities and tremendous companies down there for example I mean, I'm not going to say names, but some of the largest ingredients and in, in farming companies in the world have set up you know, hemp and cannabis operations down there. So something that's you know, greatly hindered the growth of the industry is not having the FDA guidance and yeah. regulations approving it for you know, food and beverage. Uh, so the second that that turns on, you know, who knows what's going to happen to a lot of these mom and pop shops and, and, and yeah. brands, because that's when the big boys are going to come in exactly. and then start. Exactly. So, so that's going to greatly affect it. And also on the farming side, right? that could also make it so the prices skyrocket on the farming side and the processing side. But then what's the legalization going to be with importing? So if it's, you know, the FDA says it's great right now, it's been the guidelines for companies and internal policies have been slowly catching up to the, you know, the 2018 farm bill. So at first they said it's legal, but then uh, no banks wanted to do it. You know, nobody wanted to process, you know, payments for it. Then nobody wanted to carry it on their shelves. You know, CVS was, you know, a first big mover for, you know, for, retail which uh which is you know been incredible for the industry and a lot of people have followed suit but it's you know it's tricky to say um, i think you know farming for us we had a 200 acre farm in oregon and i think that you know there's so many incredible farmers out there multi-generational farmers out there that have been doing it you know very well and large industrial scale farms for a long time so i think let people do what they do best and 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 don't try to you know jump into every part of the supply chain i'd say you know when i was at my previous company the only reason that we got into vertical integration is because you had to, right? Yeah. Like there was there wasn't quality consistent genetics, processing, etc. So you had to then. Now you don't see Coca-Cola, you know, making the sh- do you want to be making the sugar or do you want to be making <laughs> they're not mining uh, aluminum for exactly. their cans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you know, you, you do you want to be making, you know, the product or do you want to you want to be making the sugar? And so I think, you know, the brands have tremendous value and will continue to have tremendous value. So you have to look at, you know, what their, you know, their CPA and what their digital strategies are, um, you yeah. know, how well they're funded, what the burn rate is, because that's obviously, you know, employees and staffing is, you know, some of these companies are incredibly understaffed and some of them are incredibly overstaffed and, and really looking at the team and the track records of the team. So you're seeing a lot of people, which is incredible, you know, big, big guys from CPG companies from, you know, whether it's, you know, the heads of Patron or Kellogg's or, you know, you name it, are coming into the space. But a lot of these people have ran 
span, you know, multi-billion dollar divisions. And, you know, when it comes to tying their shoe, they haven't done that in a while. <laughs> I love that. With so we're seeing, yeah. you know, some some great people you know, that I couldn't you know, imagine that they would be looking at the space, you know, three years ago are now, you know, leading some of the largest industries, yeah. or some of the largest companies. So that's remarkable. The team is, is probably where all of my successes and failures in, in my life in yeah. business has had to do with the team. So, you know, looking at the leadership team and looking at, you know, the assets of the company, the existing distribution, the roadmap forward and sustainability and the, the brands, uh, you know, I think are tremendous and processing processing has and I believe will continue to be the bottleneck of the industry. The you know, if there was enough consistent, reliable processors out there, there wouldn't be millions of pounds you know, of biomass yeah. sitting around degrading. Yeah. And it's, it, has a, on, yeah. Yeah, it has a much better shelf life, you know, packaged into a little container and jar as, as an ingredient than it does you know, sitting there as a plant. So yeah. I believe that even as the FDA opens up and as a lot of these companies start joining, you know, adding products, CBD and cannabinoids into their, their product lines, they're going to look at the processors and the brands that are doing it correctly as opposed to starting it from scratch. Because you know, I've seen processing companies out there every you know, three, six months over the last couple of years, we hear about somebody raising 10 million, 20 million, 100 million, 150 million. They're going to be the biggest, best processors out there. And six months later, you never hear of them. <laughs> so, And what happens? I mean, they just they can't get their act together. Is this not as easy as they think it's going to be? Yeah. So it's you know a lot of things that I wish I didn't know anything about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's primarily... It's not so much the equipment. So say you know you have a $250,000, $500,000 piece of equipment that's coming from overseas that you're on a six-month wait list to get. They get the equipment, then you know, a, a piece breaks. It's really not so much the equipment and the team on the processing side. It's Well, it, it is the team. It's having you know, your SOPs and having the, the engineering experience and understanding of how to do it you know, effectively and how to you know, make ingredients without residual solvents and to make a consistent product every time. And it's, it's tricky because you take you know, biomass from 50 different farms and you have 50 different input materials. How do you make it consistently come out the same? And so I think that it's been people didn't take into account the, the time that it takes for R&D to dial in these machines, the effectiveness of it. And a lot of companies built, built their businesses based on having a big CPG company in the background eyeing them so they raised a ton of capital to make X amount of, of product at a GMP facility that has all these certifications. And then when the FDA said that you know, we're not ready for yeah. it yet, then these companies didn't know didn't know what to do. So yeah. there's a lot of opportunities out there and in projections as well. So, so people took in a lot of debt based on isolate yeah. or, or distillate being at five thousand, ten thousand dollars a kilogram. When it drops down to you know, a tenth of that, it's a lot of debt to pay back, and, and yeah. you have to make sure that your efficiencies are there and that you're able to retain you know some margin. And now it's you know a very high volume, very low margin business, and yeah. it used to be you know, an incredibly high margin and low volume. But I think that that's the most exciting part is when you're going to walk into a Target or a CVS or wherever, and you're going to see CBD at the checkout counter for five dollars a bottle, right? Because that opens up the market so much. More 
more than a $100 bottle and 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 brings in so many more customers. So it's going to open up the just this cannabinoid market and, and consumer products. I think that it's going to open up the demand for that exponentially. When once yeah. the price is at once the consumer brands reflect the same price that that they're buying it for. Yeah, it just seems like the whole industry, I mean, that happens on the marijuana side too. It's just like the, the lack of operational excellence, you know, that we have in the industry to really create these highly scalable, highly, you know, well-run, profitable businesses. It's, it's just a challenge. I mean, they, you know, the industry is still working this stuff out. I mean, the SOPs and stuff are still being tweaked to some level, but we just don't have the people and like, and finding the talent, bringing them in the industry has not been as easy as, as I think people thought it would be. <laughs> There's very few people out there that have the experience because it's such a new industry and there's a pretty significant learning curve and being nimble. You know, if you raise a hundred million dollars and you invest it in the wrong part of the supply chain and things change as rapidly as they are, you know, it's not, you know, it's not a good place to be in. So being nimble and understanding and choosing your lane of where, where you can provide real value and where you can market yourself correctly is, is I think is something that people aren't doing enough. And on the brand side, you know, these companies will have 30, 40, you know, 50 different SKUs of products. And do you want to buy your vitamins from the same company that you're buying your vapes from? Or do you want to buy your skin cream from the same company that you're buying, you know, your vitamins from? I I don't know. And, and I think that micro brands or brands with very few SKUs that do you know a couple of products but do them very effectively and then build a substantial customer base and then you know you, you have a different your differentiators and then trickle in products that that are beneficial uh, but knowing what your brand is and knowing who you are and the you know the problems that you're trying to fix is something that a lot of people just aren't aren't focusing on. It's, it's how many products can we make and how many products can we sell as opposed to really having brand identity because you know, right now there's a lot of CBD brands out there, but I think mm-hmm. that CBD is you know a very romanticized ingredient and there's not a lot of companies that really know what their brand is because once the FDA and you know some other things happen, then CBD is going to be such a popular ingredient. I mean, I think it's going to yeah. be you know up there with with sugar, right? It's it's, it's effective mm-hmm. and it's going to be in everything. Initially, an end cap or a kiosk at a store, then it's an aisle, then it's almost in every every single. Yeah, exactly. Aisle. It's like every every category of product has a CBD enhanced yeah. version of of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious. You know, we've we've been talking. Uh, you know, everything about sort of consumables. I mean, you know, hemp, hemp has lots of other possibilities. Do you see other kind of applications of of the hemp? You know, hemp, we've got all these growers producing all this hemp primarily and this idea of we're going to turn it into CBD for consumables, but there are other applications. I mean, do you see these other applications actually competing for hemp to be processed as CBD or how do you see this kind of broader hemp market playing out? Well, that's a great question. And if you look at China, a couple of years ago when they did a massive textile reform, you know, billions of dollars went into different types of textiles and and they put a significant amount of capital into into creating you know, hemp programs. And China is you know, light years ahead of us on, on the manufacturing side of things. And, you know, with their focus isn't primarily on, you know, cannabinoid and terpene extraction. And, and in the United States, you know, it has been. But if you look at Europe and the European genetics and strains, those are grown for stock and for fiber. And I think that we are at the beginning of the beginning of the beginning of an industry as a whole. So which is why, you know, once these other industries expand and guidelines open up, you know, farming in the near future could become incredibly profitable again because, you know, there's a long list of ways that that hemp can help the planet, you know, because 
It can be grown locally. You know, there's less of a need to import it from far distances. The seeds are a nutrient-rich source of food. It's a high-quality plant-based protein with essential omega-3 fatty acids. In addition, fibers of this crop, it's incredibly yeah. versatile. They, they can be used to be make sustainable materials from biodegradable plastics to building materials. You know, hemp serves to combat climate change as it's ideal for crop rotation. It's great for nourishes nutrient-depleted soil and reverses the, the effects of erosion. So I mean, there's a laundry list of, of things that, you know, whether it's biofuels or bioplastics, I think it was, uh, I think it was Henry Ford, I mean, the original... Yeah, yeah. The, the, the original yeah. you know, T-bird or you know, that, that they made, you know, was had hemp bioplastics on it. So when you look at you know, whether it's hemp creeds or you know, it grows seven times faster than trees and and puts out you know more oxygen. I mean, hemp paper. So on the textile side of things, I think there's a tremendous amount of value in a very bright future that hasn't really you know you're you're seeing companies pop up here and there. Yeah, just but, starting. But, I've seen a couple, but yeah, it's not. But nothing. Yeah, you don't see anything you know major or I mean, I mean was it Levi's or Wranglers? You know, started making uh-huh. you know incorporating hemp into their jeans. So really cool things like this. And as we're looking to the future of our planet as a whole, we need to be more thoughtful and conscious of, of more effective, greener ways to do things and to produce products. And I think that it's a very, very exciting time for hemp. If you look back at you know, our founding fathers and when this nation was created, there was the hemp farming was a significant cash crop for the United States. Yeah. If you look at old Sears Robux catalogs from you know the early 1900s, you'll see half of, you know I mean, not half, but you'll see a lot of different medications and bottles with cannabis leaves on it. Yeah. And, you know, so the, the cotton industry, the lumber industry, the pharmaceutical industry, the tobacco industry, the pets industry, food and beverage, cosmetics, there's so many different applications. Yeah. And, you know, so outside of cannabinoid and, and pharmacological or pharmaceutical values, you know, there's a lot of different things that this plant can do. And, you know, and that's just the market right now is just CBD, but if you look at you know, the explosiveness of, of CBG, you know, over the last year, which is another incredible cannabinoid, I mean, there's over 100 cannabinoids in the plant, and we've identified I don't know, maybe 15 and really been able to successfully commercially extract less than 10. Yeah. And each one of these cannabinoids, you know, we have CB1 and CB2 receptors all over our body, and these affect everything from our reproductive, our endocrine systems, our, you know, our appetite, our mood, to it affects everything. And, and when have these lesser known cannabinoids, you know, CBC, CBN, CBL, these all do very different things to our body and react very differently. So yeah. I think, you know, we're just scratching the surface of it. And when it comes to other applications for it, and we recently discovered last year that we, we extract different parts of the plant, we send it out for testing. And one of the things we discovered that we were able to extract uh, when I was at Eco was graphene. Which oh really <laughs> yeah which, which is incredible and then shortly thereafter nano nanoparticles yeah, yeah and shortly thereafter I was speaking at a conference a trans tech conference in San Francisco and I met you know a group there that was looking for significant amounts of hemp stock and hemp waste for graphene to 3D print boats and 3D yeah. print tiny houses so yeah. you know, now we're in the energy or the, you know the housing sectors so it's you know a lot of it's a lot of opportunities and, and yeah. also being able to see you know I grew up in northern Wisconsin where mm-hmm. 
you know, it's, it's farmland USA. I grew up yeah. in a town of 5,000 people and, <laughs> you know, it's all, you know, dairy farms or corn farms or soy farms and being able to go back and sit down or speaking, you know, at conferences and meeting with all these different farmers and, and helping them, you know, understand and convert their crops over to hemp and, and seeing the tremendous value that it's brought, you know, to their families and their businesses. It's, you know, especially with the trade war that's been happening with China, you know, these farmers are getting destroyed. You know, China yeah. stopped ordering soy yeah, from us. And really so are. it's been, you know, incredible being able to see the, the power kind of shift back into American farmers' hands. Yeah. And cool. Yeah. Yeah. Derek, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about Exactus, what's the best way to get that information? Yeah. So go to our website, www.exactushemp.com. Feel free to you know email me any questions at Derek at exactusinc.com. And if there's yeah, if you have questions on any part of the supply chain, if you're looking to start a brand, if you're looking for products, if you're looking to if you'd like to you know learn more about genetics and farming. I've been doing this a while and, yeah. and and you know whether you work with us or not, you know, I'm here to help and excited to see you know the overall growth of the industry and, and want people to avoid the mistakes that we've either yeah, seen exactly. or made ourselves. Yeah. I'll make sure that the links are in the show notes so people can get there and get that. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Really a pleasure. Great insights. And it was fun to speak. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Bruce. And enjoy the rest of your day. Stay safe out there. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.